0: Bismillah ar wa ala Amma ba'da. Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 27th of May in the year 2023. And alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 34th night that we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And I'm spending quite a few sessions in which I'm taking a glimpse into his attachment to the glorious deed of Salah. And the last thing I mentioned were some of the blessings of offering the optional prayers within your dwelling. And one report says that it brings honor to your dwellings in Ibn Khuzayma Sahih. Another report again in Ibn al Sayyih mentions it illuminates your dwellings. And in Sayyid Muslim it mentions it brings Khair i goodness to your dwellings. With regards to the female folk, Abu Amr al-Shaybani, he relates, I saw Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu, expelling the females from the masjid on Jum'ah, saying, go to your dwellings. For oh, it is better for you. Hmm. This is recorded in Tabrani in his Kabir. al haythami in Majma' Al-Zawaid states Hassan. And sheik An-Nimawi Rahmatullah in his Athar as sunan Number 309. So here, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud r.a. He frowned upon the females attending the Jummah prayer. And he simply said to them, go to your dwellings. Because it is better for you. However, there are exceptions to the rule for Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud He had gotten to clarify. There is no better place for a woman to pray than the innermost part of her sleeping quarters, except for Masjid Al Haram or the Masjid of the Prophet and except for a woman who comes out in her meaning leather socks. This is recorded in Tabrani in his Kabif, Al-Haytabi in Majma al-Zawahid states Sahih, and Shaykh al-Nimubi in his A'thar as sunan number 307. So, this is a fascinating report. So, Ibn is clarifying now, he's saying that the best place for a female is to be secluded, i.e., in a secluded part of a house to offer the obligatory place. But then he said there are three exceptions. Masjid al-Haram, Masjid al-Nabi, which I mentioned yesterday, but then he said, and except for a woman, who comes out in her manqalayha, meaning leather socks. So what's fascinating here, if a woman insists on offering her obligatory prayers in the masjid, and they are facilitated for this, Then let her make it a habit to attend wearing her leather socks. Mm. Subhanallah, such are the priceless blessings of the sacred sunnah. Now think about that, look how strange that is. Females should pray at home, they get more reward for the obligatory place. But if they insist, invest in leather socks, wear leather socks. So the obvious question they throw back is, why do I need to wear leather socks? Because Ibn Masood said it. He goes, then it's better. Masjid al-Haram, Masjid al-Nabi and except for a woman who comes out in her manqa meaning leather socks so note, this is some of the secrets of the sunnah so again, alhamdulillah, the facilitated this for the female folk this also exposes the error of the female folk who offer their prayers in the hotels when going to offer their hajj or umrah which I mentioned yesterday so because they use the argument that the more rewarding prayer is seclusion. The is, except for the holy cities. Except, of course, if you're a resident. Again, with regards to Salat, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, he had gone as far as to say, There is no religion for the one who does not offer Salat. Subhanallah. La Dinah Laman La Salatala. There is no religion for the one who does not offer salah. This is in Ibn Abi Shaybah in his Al-Musannaf, volume two, page eighty-four, and his Al-Iman number forty-six. Half is Al-Mirwazi in his Ta'azim, Qadr al-Salah, number nine hundred and thirty-seven, half is Al-Khalal, Rahmatullah, in his Al-Sunnah, number one thousand three hundred and eighty-seven. hundred eighty-seven. Sheikh al-Bali Rahmatullah stated Hassan in his Sahih Targhib. Page 574 and 1-3 and 2. So in this authentic report, look at the status of Salat. Ibn Masood said, it's your deen. So if there's no Salat in your deen, he said, you have no religion. There is no religion for the one who does not offer Salat. And how many so-called Muslims fall into that category? And they even taunt the people who pray, which is even worse. They'll say, You might pray, but I'm more charitable than you. (laughs) You might pray, but I love the Prophet more than you. (laughs) And they come out with these strange statements, and you're thinking, You got no deen. I'm not saying that. Ibn Masood said it. So I don't know what you're boasting about. So, no salat, there can be no compromise with it. Abu Darda, Hakim al-Ummat, he said of this wretch, he is not a believer who does not offer his Salat. Hmm. He is not a believer who does not offer his Salat. This is recorded by Ibn al-Nasr, Ibn Abdul Bar, and sheik al-Bani al-Ahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih ut page 575. Hmm. So now again, these statements only hold worth and weight if you know who's saying them. So obviously we're going through Ibn Masood's life. So obviously we know that his statements are very heavy. So he's, if you don't offer salah, there's no deen. Abu Darda, Hakim al-Ummah, the physician of the entire ummah, he said he's not a believer. So it's just as but, you're not a believer, you have no deen. You can go on and on about whether I'm a Muslim. And similarly, Amir al Mumineen, Umar ibn al Khattab, what did he say? Radiyallah. Wala hazafil islam ilimanta la kos salah. There is no share in Islam for whoever abandons the salah. This is recorded by Imam Malik in his Muwattah number 51, half al Mirwazi in his Tahzib Qadr al Salat number 923, and Sheikh al Bani stated Sahih in his Al Irwa ul Ghalib number 209. So if somebody goes, Have I got a share in Islam? So you want a heavy share? If are you gonna be happy with one percent? You're gonna think, Why well, have I only got one percent? But I'm glad I've got one percent. Imagine you got no share. What does that mean? So Islam, you know, if you symbolize it as a as a cake, let's say, and somebody goes, No share for you, what's he actually telling you? You have got no share, that means that you're not even part of Islam. There is no share in Islam for the one who abandons the lot. meaning he abandons it, meaning he doesn't hold it to be important. Thus, at the time of inheritance, if a son or daughter is deprived of his or her share, then what does that actually mean? It clearly means he or she has been disowned and thus treated as an outcast. Such is also the case of the so-called Muslim who does not offer his or her salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserves. Now think about that. So, the father passes away. So, all the children get inheritance. Imagine somebody goes, you don't get nothing. And he thinks, why don't I get anything? I'm his flesh and blood. Because you don't have a share. So, what has now happened to that? You can go on and on. I'm his son. Yeah, you might say you're his son. But, you don't get any of the benefit of being a son You got no share. That's what's happened when you abandoned salat. You got no share of the deen. So note what was Ibn Masood now highlighting? He's highlighting no compromise. Salat is your life and blood, your your very you know flesh and blood as they say. If you compromise on salat, there's nothing left. Also, once in the masjid, one should observe certain etiquettes. In Tabrani, al in Majma Al-Zawaid, Volume 2, page 23, states, Sahih, Hayat Al-Sahaba, Volume 4, page 568 of the New English Translation. It was between the Azan and the Iqamah of Fajr that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he once saw some people reclining against the wall in the Masjid in the direction of the Qibla. Just stopping the, so he says, Sahih, Hadith, in tabarani So what's happened? Their backs were resting facing the Qibla, just like me now. Mm. So I'm facing, you're you're facing the Qibla, but my back's towards the Qibla. So they're resting between Azan and the ikam of Fajr, and their backs are facing the Qibla. Mm. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud thereupon said disapprovingly, Do not be an obstacle between the angels and their salah. Mm. Move. Do not be an obstacle between the angels a.s. and their salah. I move. So now what is he teaching you? There's etiquette. And what's strange is when you go to somebody's house people generally know the etiquette you know, even though nobody's actually taught you that. For instance, you go into somebody's house you, you start lying down on your sofa. What are you doing brother? It's not your house. So what do you do? You even ask shall I leave my shoes on? Shall I take my shoes off? People are showing more respect to human beings. You enter Allah Allah's house, what do you do? So Ibn Masood saw this and what did he say? Look how interesting. He didn't say that they are committing a sin. What he said was, why are you obstructing the angels? They are offering Salat. <laughs> Hence, one should not rest one's bike on the walls in the direction of the Qibla during Salat time. Indeed, the scholars say it would be a good habit not to do this at all. So just put that into your memory, say, I'm not going to sit with my back to the Qibla. Just as a habit, any masjid you enter, I'm not going to sit with my back to the Qibla. Why? Because angels are attending the masjids. And what did Emily Basud say? He must have heard this from the Prophet, his own zin. He goes, you're stopping the angels. They want to pray and think, what's he doing? So think about that. If you trouble the angels, is that a good thing? No. And also, what was he between the lines saying? Why are you praying? <laughs> so there's another lesson there as well. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he would wear his best attire for salah with the choicest perfumes when standing before the Almighty and Glorious. In al haythami in al zawaid volume 5, page 138, it mentions, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, always wore fine garments, and he used expensive perfume. Mm. Abdullah ibn Masud الله, who always wore fine garments, and he used expensive perfume. Why was he doing that? Because he was honoring Salah. Mm. And this is why there's another report in Ibn Saad in Istibkat volume three, page one one nine of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. Nufeh Rahmatullah. he said, "Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Masud radhiyallahu." was one of the most generous of people. He wore white garments and he had the best scent. So, he mentioned three things, one of this, one of his students. He goes, he was very generous, we noticed this. So that could mean with his time, his wealth, etc. He wore white garments, because we noticed that he liked to wear white. And he goes, he always smelled beautiful. He's always had a pleasant scent. And Talha, Rahmatullah, said, Sayyidina Abdullah alayhi, could be recognized at night by the scent of his perfume. This is in Ibn sa in Istabaqat, volume 3, page 120 of the English translation, the chapter on the companions of Badr. So, why was he doing all this? This was due to his love of salah. And of course, to show to others, there is nothing wrong in wearing such garments or scent. Just as long as there is no pride
1: involved.
0: Now this is the sadness. When do people now do these deeds or these acts of wearing nice clothes and the best other? So it wouldn't be too bad if you said, Oh, they're going to a wedding, which is Jay's, no problem. But what is absolutely disgusting? They do it to say I'm going out on a night out of the town. And what do they do? Expensive garments. the most choices, you know, whatever. Sense. And their intention is to commit sin. So there's the disaster. The Sahaba did it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're doing it for the female. Hopefully. Right? Think about that. You know, if you re- really reflect upon that. What a state the humans has gone down to. And what does that tell you about Salat? Salat isn't just going through the motions. Notice they were preparing one in advance. There's actually a verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions in Surah al Yaban Yiadama Huduzeen at kum in the kulli masjid. Children of Adam, alayhi salatu wa salam, dress well when you go to the masjid. Is in the Quran? Children of Adam, والسلام, dress well when you attend the masjid. So the background for this was that the people would do tawaf naked in the jahiliyyah. So Allah said to them, when you come to the masjid, you know, don't just cover your aura, dress well. So it's a sunnah. So Ibn Iwasud, and look how touching it is. he was a shepherd. Shepherds usually are the most, wearing well the most shallow garments, and they've usually got a, an order because of the manual labor they're doing. The fact that they were saying we've never smelled anything but nice coming from his body or he wore the best garments and he was the most generous. What does that tell you? He was emulating the Prophet and he was honoring the Salat. I was interesting, a brother said I don't want to mention his name. He goes, I love to stand next to this brother in Salat. So I goes, why? Because he, he smells beautiful. Now think about that, you're attracting people. He actually went out of his way to stand next to him. Goes, and then he goes, I avoid standing next to him. <laughs> he goes, what? I goes, I don't know why. He goes, oh my God, he goes, I nearly puked up. So you're not only putting up, you know, you're putting with the people of Salat. How is he going to concentrate if he's smelling a suh? Astaghfirullah. That the a funny thing is they're oblivious to it, most of them. You have to, you look at it. You think this guy doesn't even realize he stinks. And then you actually say, but you some <laughs> And they're the ones who reject the atar. You don't you know if you need if I hear I'll give you atr. Right, you know, make sure you put it on. And look how touching the sunnah is to always put atar before the obligatory prayer. The Prophet would do that in Abu Yala. Now did the Prophet had did he have an unpleasant number? That Allah, yeah, he's putting up. So what is that telling you? Why? Because you're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do Ya Allah doing all this for you. Right? What did the Prophet ﷺ say? You are not a true believer until you love Allah and His Messenger more than your own self. Who's the first thing he mentioned? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because how do I love Allah? Let's see how you offer Salat. <laughs> Coody stays, socks stink. <laughs> you're standing in front of Allah like that. Don't you? But you're supposed to love him more than yourself. <laughs> and that's why you notice the person's always, you know, you you know, you can tell. That's why the hadith says, Salat. Is a proof of your Iman It didn't really authentic How is it a proof? Because that's your connection To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And not that, and the, If you tell that same person You're going to be you, Oh you got an interview With the queen tomorrow Well the queen's dead now Right? King Charles Is he going to come With the same clothes? <laughs> Imagine he's going to go and say, What should I wear? What's the best garments? You know, anybody go Oh yeah my brother's got Some special attim from Saudi I'll use that He's just standing in front of King's Charles. Where are you getting excited over? And he probably just ignore you anyways. He walks past. Well, you know, walk past. What was all that about? Who you trying to impress? Another human being. So Salat again, not outwardly, inwardly. We we're supposed to be, you know, showing our, our servitude to Almighty Allah. And Ibn Mas'ud set the standard again, radiya Allah. Subhanallah, as soon as Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud radiya Allah would stand for Salah, he looked like a different man. <laughs> in Dabrani, al haythami in majma Al-Zawaid, volume 2, page 136, comments upon the chain of narrators, Hayat al sahaba volume 4, page 609 of the New English Translation, A'amash, Rahmatullah <laughs> alayhi, he said, Whenever Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radhiallahu, performed Salat, he was so still, that it appeared, he appeared to be just like a discarded piece of cloth. SubhanAllah. So, well, whenever abdullah ibn mas'ud الله, performed salat he was so still that he appeared to be just like a discarded piece of cloth hmm. so this was one of his students Amash so why was he moving his khuju? Hmm. now you see people playing he's doing car races <laughs> what's he doing astaghfirullah another person doing you know hip exercises Thinking he's. And then another one's leaning sometimes to his right, leaning to his left, leaning back, leaning forward. Another person looks up for no reason. Another person, you know, is looking straight on her, and then, he, and then you're thinking, what is happening here, Another person is yawning next year. Thinking, you know, he's, he must have yawned more than Takbin's in the Salat. And Ibn Masood, because he was like a discarded piece of cloth, because we didn't recognize him. As soon as he prayed, because he's somewhere else, he's in another realm. Indeed, this majestic man did this because this was the the soul of Salat. So Khushu is critical in Salat. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that Salat is heavy except for the Khashii. So Salat, prayer is heavy except for those who have Khushu. So Allah, Allah is telling every Muslim that your Salat will always be a burden. Mm. Until you have this quality of humility and Khushu. Then it becomes a joy. Mm. And be honest. Most of us offer Salat because... it And you got to be brutally honest. It's an obligation. Mm. I'm not going to come out with, you know, I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm doing it because I have to do it. I'm just being brutally honest. Why are we getting enjoyment? Because there's no Khushu. Mm. Khushu is something that you get <coughs> joy. Joy out of it. So Lord Ibn Masood... And his Salat. How many optional prayers would he pray? This majestic man would regularly, with great enthusiasm, offer various optional blessed prayers because it mentions. It was only Salatul Duha that he was not very regular with. This is in Hayat al volume 4, page 539 of the New English Translation. And look how strange that statement is. <laughs> when you actually are explaining that a person strong in salah you mentioned the salah so for instance if somebody's strong in his tahajid what do you say Or oh, he never misses tahajid what was this narrator saying it was only salat al-duha that he wasn't regular with that's not a normal statement what he's actually telling you is everything else he's he's left us ishraq forget it awwabil forget it tahajid forget it Istikhara, forget it. Taajjad, forget it. But Salat al-Doha, he goes, that's the only one he wasn't regular with. So what are now we learning about Ibrahim Masood? He just loves Salat too much. And the f- f- amazing thing is, where did he get time to do this? He was an Imam. People are coming to him, asking him questions. He's studying, he's teaching, he's and this is the thing, you know, if you look at their actual connection to Salat, it's like Allah, Allah, stop time for them. You do what you need to do. This same person is saying, no Salat, no religion. You can understand why if you look at his connection to Salat, he's thinking, you know, you call yourself Muslim and you're not praying, you got no religion. Right? You Call yourself what you want, you know, because you have no share of Islam. But, Ishraq, was a prayer he was very fond of. In Hayat al-Sahab of Alim 5, page 49 of the New English Translation, it mentions, it would upset Abdullah ibn Mas'ud r. to hear anyone talking between the Fajr, the Dawn and the Fajr Salah. It would upset Abdullah ibn Mas'ud r. to hear anyone talking between the Dawn and the Fajr Salah. So he offered the Fajr. He didn't like people talking. <coughs> Until, obviously, the Ishraq time. So, again, this is another strange statement. I've been my Fajr. can I talk? No, he's not talking about. He's talking about Ishraq. You stay where you are. Do what you got to do. Pray your Ishraq. And when Ibn Masood heard somebody talking, he would frown. Why? Because he's not sinful, but he's just patiently thinking. What's this person doing? Where's he going? You know, what's his mission? Another report mentions it was after the Fajr Salah that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud approached a group of people who were busy talking in the masjid. He forbade them from talking. He said, You have come here to perform Salah. You must therefore perform Salah or remain silent. This is in Tabrani, Al haythami in Majma Al zawaid Volume 2, page 219, two, Comments upon the Chain of Narrators. I had the Sahaba, Volume 5, page 49 of the New English Translation. Again, how strange. Yeah. Apply this to most masjids. Fajr is finished. And you hear that people talking. We don't think anything of that. If you were in the presence of Ibn Masood, what would he say? Get out. Because this is a place to pray, not to talk. What does it say after Fajr? He didn't like people talking after Fajr. Why? Because this is a special time. And that's why the Hadith says, you sit, remain, you offer, you get the reward of Hajj. Ta'am 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 ha'i Accepted, 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 he was very fond of that prayer But Salatul duha he offered on and off And I think the wisdom there was that the Prophet did that So he was emulating the Prophet So Lord, whatever angle you look at the great man's life You realized that he was created, like the Quran says You are created to worship And he was fulfilling that mandate <laughs> Then you apply it to yourself and you realize we got problems, <laughs> right? Because we got more important things to discuss, imagine it, astaghfirullah. <laughs> Are there any questions you're going to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanaka Allahumma bihamdika ishtu laillahi lakhi illa anta astaghfirika dhu billika dhu billahi minash al-anjim, subhana rabbika rabbi l-izzati amma yasifu unas-salamu lallahu alamin. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. wal-asr il-insan lafi khusr, ladhina aminu wa'amilu s-salhar, wa al-haq, wa'asr al-haq, wa'asr al-saq wa'asr al-saq